Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor. I'm going to be your host today. Joining me for this very special episode is none other than Tristan. Tristan, how you doing, man? I'm tired, baby girl. So tired. I'm doing pretty well. You know, we're here to talk about something good, which is a nice change of pace. Because uh, we've, you know, we've we've seen a few things lately that are... Kind of mid, you know. Not mm-hmm. Creed 3, obviously, which was a banger which you weren't on for. But, you know, just in general. We, we, you know. Yeah, I was about to say because Creed 3 at was the fun. time of we're recording this, I have not edited the Creed 3 spoiler talk yet. So I was like, oh shit. Oh, no, Creed, Creed 3, 3 was bad? fire. I'll just spoil, <laughs> spoil it for you right now. Me and Drew, big fans of Creed 3. Yeah. And we've already talked about Creed 2, like how much of a banger that oh, movie God, was. A banger. So, but I was thinking more I mean, about... Mainly you're talking about the superhero Yeah, I was making here think about superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you saw the title. You know the deal. Today we're going to be talking about The Last of Us Season 1. Here's a synopsis for The Last of Us, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, After a global pandemic destroys civilization, a hardened survivor takes charge of a 14-year-old girl who may be humanity's last hope. End quote. And here's some of the main cast for the series, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. Craig Mazin is the showrunner. Directing credits include Ali Bazi, two episodes, When We Are In Need, episode 8, and Look For The Light, episode 9. Jeremy Webb, two episodes, Please Hold To My Hand, episode 4, and Endure And Survive, episode 5. Neil Druckmann, one episode, Infected, which was episode two. By the way, I feel like Jeremy Webb is the culprit for a lot of people just being pissed off because, you know, how that arc ends and just all the sadness from it. Hmm. (laughs) Peter Hoar directed one episode, which was Long, Long Time, episode three. Lisa Johnson directed one episode, Left Behind, episode seven. Craig Mazin, one episode, When You're Lost in the Darkness, which was the pilot. And Jasmila Zabonik, I had to look that up, I think that's how you pronounce it, directed one episode, and it was Ken, which was episode six. This is based on The Last of Us Part One, which was created by Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley. The series is based on a video game franchise developed by Naughty Dog. It stars Pedro Pascal as Joel Miller, Bella Ramsey as Ellie Williams, and honestly, we can kind of stop there. But I feel like the cast did such a good job. They are worth a shout out here. Pretty solid cast. Pretty stacked. Gabriel Luna as Tommy Miller. Nico Parker as Sarah Miller. Storm Reed as Riley. Anna Torv as Tess. Lamar Johnson as Henry. Kyvan Woodard as Sam. Melanie Linsky as Kathleen. Nick Offerman as Bill. Murray Bartlett as Frank. Scott Shepard as David. Troy Baker as James, who was David's right-hand man. I believe Ellie called her Buddy Boy like two or three he times. Did, so that she did that call is. him Buddy Boy. <laughs> so Buddy Boy James. Ashley Johnson as Anna Williams, Ellie's mother. Jeffrey Pierce as Perry, Kathleen's right-hand man. And Marley Danridge as Marlene. And I saved those last four names for last because they are—they all had starring roles in the video games. Baker voiced Joel, Johnson voiced Ellie, 
Pierce voiced Tommy, and Danridge played Marlene, so she got to play the same role in live action, which is just fucking awesome. And we should say it was more than just voice. Like, they did the motion capture, too. Like, yes. They really, very true. They played the characters. Which I always love seeing those little behind the scenes mm-hmm. whenever they're, like, making the video game and just seeing Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker. Just in the, in the, the gray pixelated suit with the dots yeah. on their faces. <laughs> you gotta imagine, like, that's a little difficult to get. Because, look, for, I know, like, people, there's people out there who are working really shitty jobs and everything, and people look at acting like, yeah, it's, you know, whatever. But it is a little hard when you think about yeah, these people got to emote and be believable. Yeah. And they're in these, like, skin-tight mocap suits. And like, having how do you to do imagine, that? like, an entire world around them, you know? Yeah. But no prelude this week for The Last of Us. We're recording and posting this a few weeks after the season one finale. This is HBO's highest-rated series since Game of Thrones, somehow even beating out House of Dragon, which is also incredibly successful. So it's not like we can really tackle this thing from a new angle. Instead of a prelude, I just want to talk about our experiences with The Last of Us Parts 1 and 2. This is going to be a spoiler talk that will probably dive into some video game spoilers. So if you haven't played both games and care to simply or to simply go into Season 2 blind, this may not be the spoiler talk for you. What a question. What if, what if I haven't played the second game past the first like two to three hours? Because I just didn't have it in me. Then we probably will either skirt around it, depending on your comfort level of talking spoilers, or we might go full on into it. I don't know. Probably should have discussed that before the show. I mean, I told you. To you knew. I told you. I know. That. That's the sad part. I brought. I put it into my mind. I was like, just need to clarify this so we go into it. Say, I gave we'll you it out. The, the, the necessary information. Fuck it. We'll do it live. All right. We'll do it live. Or dead. So we're not. Depending gonna... on. <laughs> You know, how you perceive clickers. Please never make that noise. I mean, hey, I'm just clicking it up. Uh, we're not going to be bringing up out the magnifying glass and comparing the games to the show either, but we're probably just going to talk about some things we liked or didn't like from that adaptation from the game to the series. And we will be talking about theories for season two based on what we know about part two story. Bro, I just got so many theories. <laughs> so... Just to quickly get through mine, and then I'll throw it over to Tristan. Played part one. Loved it. The ending is one of my favorite endings in video game history. It's one of my favorite intros in video game history. Book ended perfectly. Uh, Gameplay-wise, I've never really loved The Last of Us, parts one or two. I Okay, getting into part two real quick, because this is the more complicated one. I never played part two. This I guy. have watched the story of it. This guy. Come on. I watched the story of it, and based on the story, I was not a fan. And it's not because of, you know, one thing that happens in it. It's because of the entire story I did not really gel with. I felt like it was so much... thought it was lesser than what part one is. But we'll probably get into that. Um, there's still some good parts, I think, in part two. But I think this right here, what this show covered in season one, is probably the peak of The Last of Us to me. And I'm very curious to see how they do part two and what they end up taking, what they end up uh, deciding to change. But Tristan, 
go into your experience for the Last of Us series. I mean, well, I can at least echo uh, what you said about part one. You know, it's one of my favorite games, one of my favorite openings, one of my favorite uh, endings. I did I get it the week it came out? I can't remember if I pre-ordered it or not, but. I got it like fairly soon after it came. It took some convincing because at the time my mother was very much not a fan of letting me play M rated games when I wasn't 17 yet, but I was like, no, I'm, I, I badgered her into letting me get this game and I beat it the weekend it came out. And I distinctly remember just getting to the end when, you know, Ellie says, you know, promise me everything you said was true. And he's like, I promise. And she says, okay. And then I was just like broken. I was like, oh my goodness. And I just stared at the ceiling laying on my floor for a good half hour afterwards. Cause man, it just, woo, it, it, it hits me. Now I played it countless times since then. Also side note, shout out to the original last of us multiplayer. I was big into that. You know, hanging Saturday night with the boys, you know, just trying to scrounge up some materials and then get in that team deathmatch. Um, but as for Last of Us Part 2, I didn't get it until like a year after it came out. I just was like, I don't know that I have the emotional bandwidth right now because it was at the height of the pandemic. We're all tired. We're all sad, you know. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I got this in me right now. So I got it late. You know, got it at the same time as I, I got Ghost of Tsushima, and I tell you what, blazed right through that, because that just made me feel like a badass. But I knew The Last of Us Part 2 would, was going to take something out of me. So I played the first two hours of it. Are we doing, are we into spoilers yet for the games? Okay, going into spoilers now for The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, the video games. So I'm going to give about three seconds before Tristan spoils whatever he's about to say, starting now. All right, Tristan, go with it. So I got, I made it, like, played the first two hours in, in one sitting, made it past uh, Joel just getting his, his <laughs> brains bashed in. Uh, and I was like, okay, now it's like Ellie and, and um, what's her name? It is, it's, what's the? Abby. Uh, no, the love interest. The uh, Dina. Dina. Yeah, Ellie and Dina going to Seattle, like, set off on the horse. That's the last time I stopped playing there. It wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to play. I'm just like, oof, this is heavy. I still, I don't know that I'm <laughs> that I'm ready for this. I might need more <laughs> antidepressants for this. I would like to say that I'll have the game beaten before season two comes out. That's got to be what, like two years you know, I got, I got some time. I'll, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> I'm putting a two year limit. on. Yeah, that. I'll get there eventually. I will beat the game before, uh, the show comes out. You know, I'll, I'll put that. I'll, that's an, that's a promise. All right. I'm putting that out here on the record people. So hold me accountable. Let's go ahead and get into our spoiler talk. So what are your general thoughts on this season? It's a banger. Like, yes. it was much better than, well, it was better than I expected it to be. I thought it would be good, just based on the creative team behind it. But, you know, even when we've had a quote-unquote good video game adaptation, it's still been kind of like, all right, where's the, the asterisks, you know, where's the qualifier? But this was just, even if this were, were not based on one of the most critically acclaimed video games of all time, like, this could stand on its own as just a great season of television. I definitely agree. I thought this was going to be good. And I thought it was going to really depend on the pilot and the finale. 
because you know it's the intro yeah. and the ending to the game. I was like, okay, you as long as you hit those two notes, I think you're at least gonna have your bar being like, okay, this was a good season. Mm. But man, I was not prepared for how good the show was, and some of the changes they made from the show to the game or the game to the show were really really outstanding like i did not really know we'll get episode three but i remember when i got done with episode three and i was like i don't know if i like what they changed with bill and then i like the next three or four days i kept thinking about that episode and i found myself going that may have been actually one of the best episodes of television i was saying i would go as far as to i'll say it's one of the best episodes of television i've seen because it made me just think about like all these two characters and in this outbreak and going man they found happiness there and they found love in a hopeless place what bill meant to joel in the games or what he represented to joel in the game and what he represents to joel in the series a pretty much the same idea is conveyed but just in such a different way and i find it be so much better i think in the television format that they did they had more time to breathe than the television yeah and not only they had more time to breathe but also i think it bill in the game it's really a cautionary tale Mm -hmm. for joel he is just he's not a good guy no (laughs) and you can't blame him for being not a good guy because it's no you can't because also the world like joel isn't really a good guy no joel's a terrible even though i love joel Joel's one of my favorite characters. He's my favorite character in this show. Yeah. But but he's also, like, the worst guy. <laughs> yeah. It's the stuff he's done. You go, yeah. Like, you can understand why he did it, though. And maybe if you're in that same position, it pretty, this show really asks you, what would you do if you were in the same position? It makes you kind of think about it. Instead of just going, oh, Joel's the action hero. Basically. But what they did with bill here is they get the same idea across but in a different way to where you go oh it feels like they're setting something up with joel and that's what they do the whole season all the changes that they've done what the changes they made with henry and sam i thought were great adding kathleen i think helps out with part two the stuff they did with david was pretty close i believe if i I remember correctly i mean even Uh, just in terms of dialogue like it was yeah the infected aren't in the winter section in the show, but they are in the game. But other than that, I'm pretty sure it's dead on. Yeah. If anything, but, like like you said, they just expanded on things that were in the game. There's the... I'm trying to think. There's nothing really from the games that was left out. If anything, it was more... Like, the closest you can get to, oh, something being left out is just not as many clickers. or action sequence which i do think is a complaint i think that's a very valid complaint yeah when you go there's not enough infected and i think that's one of the few things that makes me go yeah it wasn't a perfect season yeah it was close to it there was some episodes that are like 10 out of 10 to me but some of the things like the infected and we'll get to it but the left behind episode i also thought was just poorly timed whenever you went to what the present day story was telling and I was like, ah, oh, man, that's just, I know what you were doing, but damn, I don't know if that was the best place to put it because it was DLC in the game. Mm-hmm. And what I would kind of do, like 
to put a little bit of Clash of the Stash into this, maybe you could have done a DLC episode <laughs> and had to be left behind. But uh, besides the point, we'll get to that episode when we do, uh, whenever we do. But um, yeah, man, great season all the way around. Cannot say anything really too horrible here besides, you know, what I've already mentioned about too many infected and one episode just not really gelling with me. But let's talk about Joel and Ellie. Because when Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey were cast as these characters, I remember on the internet, it was kind of split. I was a fan from the jump. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. I was optimistic. I was like, okay, these aren't, whenever it comes to, they don't look like the characters, the video game versions. I was like, okay, they don't, but also these are two very incredible actors. So it's one of those things that was, you're going, the talent fits. So let's see what happens. And man, I love that they casted these two because they're fucking perfect. They're fantastic. They are like some some of the best chemistry I've seen on anything in a while. Yeah, I agree. I would say too, the thing with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, there was also moments where they would sound very similar to their video game counterparts, especially Gabriel Luna. Oh yeah. By the way, Gabriel. It Luna, almost sounded like he was doing. Uh, an impression of um, yes like Jeffrey you pierce. could close your eyes and you would think it's jeffrey pierce like he was spot on as tommy as especially points. in the pilot episode yes which tommy doesn't have much screen time yeah but uh yeah bella ramsey petra pascal i think they do a great job of not imitating but taking stuff from the video game adaptation and making it kind of their own in a respectful way that doesn't feel like they're kind of crapping on the source material. What I mean by that is, I always use the example of the Resident Evil movies. Mm. That craps all over the source material and says, why did you even like this to begin with? We're doing our own thing. I love how this show did it, basically. In terms of... I mean, it's exactly what you said. In terms of an adaptation without imitation... I think this is one of the best adaptations of anything uh, we've seen. But you're right. Those two. Ooh, hold on. I got to sneeze. Might have to edit this out. Okay. it's It may be going away. Oh, no. Am I infected? But in terms of the alterations it makes, you're right. Like, it does so with a clear respect and reverence for the story it's trying to tell. And it's simply trying to enhance the story without taking away everything that made it what it is. And I think a big part of that, like we have to give credit to, I mean, obviously Craig Mazin and that whole side of the team crushed it. But I mean, Neil Druckmann, like he was heavily involved in this and he created the game. So it's not surprising that it's not, you know, you, you would hope that he's not shitting all over his own game. Um, yeah, but there's some cynicism in the Last of Us fan base, I think, when it comes to Neil Druckmann and Joel. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think some people probably went into this going, they're just going to paint Joel out to be the clear-cut villain, mm-hmm. and it's going to ruin the impact of the ending. Whereas the one beautiful thing about the ending, and we'll get to it, but it's it's something to where everybody has a different opinion on it, but it's valid. Like, it's not one of those, like, oh, yeah, it's clearly this. And it's just, it's a good discussion to have. Yeah. I think. 
and it's not something that's like, oh, you're going into it and you're getting like way too deep about it or there's a right answer for it and everybody else are idiots. No, it's just a good discussion that had to be like, would is Joel the hero still? Is he the villain? Do you agree with the Fireflies? Do you think the Fireflies are just as bad as Fedra? It's all up in there, depending on what you saw in this show and in the game. And he has talked about Neil Druckmann. And I think I had a little bit of cynicism, too, about it. I was like, okay, how are they going to treat Joel in this? Perfect. Like, exactly the game, really. Yeah. So, a credit to him, because I think there's a version of this to where you see where the everything goes in part two, and you go, ah, I can see them just really setting aside Joel and developing Ellie, which feels like a mistake. And I'm glad they didn't go down that road. I mean, in well, in terms of painting out Joel as the villain, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I had have had it spoiled for me why, what happens to Joel happens, like who, and that's only through context from memes on Twitter after <laughs> Joel. I was about to say from about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which, like I figured that part. I was like, oh, okay, uh, I get that, um, but. I mean, even in the in the game, it's like you do get those bits where it's like, mm, I guess j- clearly Joel isn't the best guy. Like with Tess being like, "Look, we're shitty people, Joel." It's been that way for a long time, and you know, obviously, with all the you know hundreds of people you murder, <laughs> and you know why Joel is aware of like these fucking the tricks and whatnot that the bandits are putting up to to put it this way. You. Put it this way: this season is essentially like Joel's going on a redemption tour. Mm-hmm. Of him getting this 14-year-old girl to the Fireflies and redeeming himself for all the shitty things that he's done. But at the end, he either succeeds in that redemption story to the people, or he fails and becomes the villain. Well, and that's the thing. I don't necessarily know if it's a redemption story for everything he's done to survive. I think it's more his redemption story as a father. Yes. Because honestly, he doesn't care. Yeah. He did what he had to do to survive. He does not care about other people. He cares about the people he loves. Yeah. And be damned anybody else. Which, getting into the Bill and Frank stuff, that's exactly kind of what Bill said. Is yeah. He loved Frank, and everybody else could What a line. Hell. When he says, you were my purpose, oh my god. Yeah. But oh my god. we're going to get to the Bill and Frank thing. I want to go through the season, and let's talk about the pilot, because it was very emotional. I'm glad they kept the first 40 minutes exactly how it was pretty much in the game. Even with some shots that were torn straight from the game. Mm-hmm. Man, this was great. I it cried. did such a good job at setting up the atmosphere, setting up the threat of the apocalypse. Because and all, in all the, video the background game, they give. Yeah, like, in the, the background work to where you're just seeing the old lady in the chair, just start to contort a bit. Oh, you see the dog looking like, oh, this shit ain't right. The cop cars and the ambulances going in the background. All that stuff, it just helps set up that tension, I think, mm. so well. And this is exactly what we were talking about earlier, right? Where the game expands on, or the show expands on things from the game. Sorry, I'm flubbing a lot in this episode. I'm very excited. This Are you infected? I am not infected. Okay. I hope I'm not. I'm not twitching. Now that's what you're asking here, which is the first signs of the infection. But besides the point, it does a great job of expanding on what the video game did because the game starts with Sarah uh, giving Joel the present. Mm-hmm. So it basically you get an entire look at her final day on Earth. 
which is just fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> it's both heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time to see what relationship Joel had with his daughter and then for him to lose it in that way. And it gives the audience, I think, a reason to not only be attached to Joel the whole season, but also understand 100% of all the trauma and shit he goes through and the stuff he does to other people out of protecting Ellie. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm just, I started thinking about the episode, like specifically the scene with, you know, where Sarah gets shot and just the recreation of a recreation of, uh, Pedro Pascal, like holding her, you know, and then he's having that like just powerful moment. He's like, no, don't leave. Like, you know, stay with maybe girl. Like, Ooh, like, I, I mean, 100%. I, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think it seems like that. Uh, that really highlight it, you know, and reinforce everything you just said. On top of the added, you know, uh, background detail, like you mentioned with the cops uh, driving around everywhere, just the background of, like, the old woman twitching everything, and even stuff that will pour into, uh, or move into later episodes, where, like, they hear on the radio, like, oh, you know, the the explosion at the mill or whatever in in indonesia like wherever the the infected flower was coming from that you didn't see in the other episode yeah man it was really good at just setting everything up and the rest of the episode is fine for what it is it's more set up but it's for the present day it's showing where joel is showing the main conflict of the season all that stuff done very well it really does fast forward some of the stuff from the game, mm-hmm. I think. But you didn't need it. You didn't. You didn't. You, it's not necessary for a TV show that only has 10 episodes. And if we had to skip some things like that, really good with it. Because we can't have, in a TV show format, Joel just killing 400 people to the ending. Because I think in the video game format, it works because you're the player playing as Joel. Yeah. Right? And you can just get connected to the character through all those hours of gameplay. You only have so many hours with a TV show. And not only that, whenever you got to the ending, if Joel had killed so many people getting there, it wouldn't have felt as impactful. Because it felt like the whole season was also building to Joel's older. He can't do it anymore. He's failing. He says this in the episode with Tommy, Ken. That, like, he's failing her in his sleep, that he doesn't think he can do it. And that finale for him just to go into a different, like, it was an out-of-body experience. He goes sicko mode. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. You, I don't think you get that impact if you had the gameplay aspect of The Last of Us in the TV show. Mm. You get, I mean, it's it's definitely not, I think the difference between this and the gameplay is, while obviously you connect with the characters in both ways, like you say, in the game, like when you're in that moment, you're in Joel's shoes. And yes, you're like fighting to save Ellie and it's this emotional thing. But to a certain extent, it is also like, oh, it's another monster closet. Like, I got to get through these guys. You know, it is very, I mean, it's a video game, but it's it's dehumanizing. You don't really think about it as much. Yeah. Uh, at least not until. I think it is after. a little bit easier, though. Yeah, for the player to get attached to Joel because you're playing the yeah. Joel. Yeah, I mean you're you're in a TV show, I, which is a testament to how good the TV show did, by the way. Oh yeah, because in the TV show you had to really 
give the audience a reason to care beyond just the flashbacks. And I feel like they did that superbly throughout the entire season. Yeah. But with the reason why I, I mean, I've seen some people on Twitter complain about this, like, oh, they painted Joel as a villain. I mean, in the show, it is essentially the same as the game. You're just not blinded by, oh, you're directly in Joel's shoes and you're... I don't even think they painted Joel as the villain. I don't either. <laughs> like, it's like he's just, he's a dad who's going to get his kid. No, I, I, yeah, I think this kind of spoils our thoughts on the ending a little bit, but uh, it's just, I think he's doing what he believes he had to do. And in this horrible world where there's a bunch of raiders and people who are out to do nothing but kill and maim other people, mm-hmm. you know, you, the people who are pass like passive and they're pacifists and everything, they don't survive. Hell, look at Henry. Yeah. Later on in the season said he never killed anybody. And the only person he kills in his entire life is his brother and then himself. Man, there's just something so fucking tragic about that. Well. It's just, in especially in that world to where it's, you would think the body count for everybody would be higher. And it's not. And episode two, we are talking about Joel and him being either the hero or the villain. I think episode two helps with that too, because it gives you that connection with Tess. I think better than what the game did as well. Uh, it really leans uh, into their relationship a little more, I think. Yeah. It leans into their dynamic better, but I, I think I still prefer um, Tess's performance in the game, which God, I feel terrible because mm-hmm. I can't remember. Is it because of her name. ending? Yeah. Because I've seen complaints about that. Well, I don't know. It's just the general, I don't know. She feels a bit rougher in the game to me, like a a bit more. It feels less like she relies on Joel's protection in the game, uh, which again I can't remember the actor's name, and I'm so sorry, but she did. She just passed away like a month or two ago. The first episode, I think, like the mm-hmm. day before the the pilot dropped. So, uh, but her rest in peace. Yeah, rest she in was peace. also in Twenty Four, by the way. She was in a lot of she things. Did a great job. Um, yeah, but yeah. Her performance, I in general, just felt stronger to me than on a tour of, I think I just like that portrayal of Tessa a bit more. She does feel like she has a bit more of that edge to her. Um, even in the way, like, and obviously I feel like you maybe get slightly more interiority for Tess in the show, but even the way she's, it feels like she starts to soften towards Ellie a bit quicker, uh, in the show than she does in the game. Whereas in the game, it's still very much like, no, this is, this person's our cover. I don't know. And that's not to say Anna Torv did a bad job. She was, you know, she mm-hmm. did, she's a solid actor. She did, great. She did a, a great job. It's just not, I'm not, I'm not going to say not my test, but of the characters <laughs> uh, translated to the screen, even in subtle ways, she felt the most different to me. Annie Wershing is the voice actress who played Tess in the video game. Just wanted to shout that out because uh don't want to go throughout the whole show without mentioning that. But yeah, man, I, I totally get you. I know where you're coming from with it. And uh, I do think the ending to it mm-hmm. that is different from the game, I enjoyed that. That yeah, that was freaky. And I was like, okay, shit. It was something weird, but also strangely like heroic mm-hmm. in a way, to which Tess somehow fought through this infection. And what is just I could only imagine being the most traumatic person. Or a traumatic moment in her life. I mean, <laughs> right there. 
it's it would seem pretty freaking traumatic having those tendrils shoved down her throat. I'd be pretty if she'd gone through anything worse than that. Then well, and what a trooper. I, I think the deleted backstory is going to be that she had a son mm. and she left her son infected. Mm. She didn't kill him, so yeah, that would be more traumatic. But kind of exaggerating here. You guys get what I mean. Just that's incredibly fucked up. The ending to Tess in the TV show compared to the game, to where she just gets in a shootout with Fedra. That's so, pretty cool, though. That's I think the show. ending was really good. I love the relationship they have here with Tess and Ellie. Episode two was the introduction to the clickers as well. And man, that was fucking terrifying. It, was like, it really set up the infected as every time you see is an infected, it's not a it's not like the walking dead. I kept seeing com- like comparisons of that on YouTube reviews and everything. Like, oh, it's the walking dead. Buddies of mine tell me, "Oh, so this show's like the walking dead." And I keep going kind of, but not really. Because the infected are different. It focuses on other things. And The Walking Dead, it became everybody is a master zombie killer. Whereas in the show here, I love how every time we saw an infected, there were consequences for it. Like, you're not just going to get away from one of these things super unscathed. However, I do also like, even though I have my complaint about infected not really being around in the last few episodes, I do like how there's ways to get around it. Mm-hmm. And that being go out to the cold, so I, I do like how there's ways to avoid infected, as well. And also the infected, uh, you step on a vine one place, you might wake them up cool. in another. Yeah, that was a nice addition. I hope they added that into part three, because if they end up doing a part three, that is because Naughty Dog has been very freaking. Give me Uncharted Five, it. bro. That's what I want. That that I'll have the emotional bandwidth to play. Oh, that too. I would much rather have Uncharted 5, though, than Last of Us 3. But if they do another Last of Us, I would definitely add that bit in, because you would think it would be a video game mechanic. You would think, yeah. I feel like there's got to be some type of game mechanic like that somewhere. Let's talk about Episode 3, though. God, what a fucking episode. What can we say about this episode that hasn't already been said? It's great. Like, it's so fucking good, bro. Just a great love story. That's what this is, man. So and not only good. that, when you look back on the season, this is the happiest episode. And I'll tell you what, better love story than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> is that really saying anything? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. When's the last time you watched New Moon? Never, thankfully. I'm sorry, what? Never. Are we going to have to do a Twilight like watch through? Whenever we do a Morbius watch through. I mean, all right. You know what, Taylor? If you want to fucking play that game, I will watch Morbius <laughs> after we watch all four Twilight films. That does not feel like a equal uh, exchange there. Seeing as how in high school, my best friend and I had to deal where we would slap each other in the face if we even read a Morbius comic. My hatred of Morbius is longstanding. So I'm just saying, I've watched the Twilight movies for various reasons because of various friends. And I tell you what. They're not the worst thing in the world. Uh, sure. Let's just say that. But you know what's one of the best things about this show? That was episode three. Yes. Because, man, like I said, it just felt like a strangely happy episode for what The Last of Us was. It's just these two people finding each other, this love story, and then at the end, one of them gets sick. The other one can't live without the other. And then we get what also, I think... 
people go, oh, it's a bottle episode, it's a filler episode. No, it's not. You know why? Because this adds on to Joel in a way that we will see in the finale. Because Joel and Bill are very similar people in the sense that they both, both do not care about the world. They both do not like other people. But when they have someone they love, they will do anything for that person. Mm-hmm. And I love how they tied it together. It's fucking great. Even with uh, Bill leaving behind the little note where he giggles in it like Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we know we know what the fans want. Like, this is a serious moment, but he 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 he. It also felt a little bit like Bill's personality. Mm-hmm. So, it fit very well. But Nick Offerman, and I always forget the actor who played uh, Frank. Murray Bartlett? Man, mm-hmm. yeah, Murray Bartlett. They both fucking crushed they it, They fucking, man. they need, I need, I want them in everything. Carried a whole episode on their back, man. I'm very impressed. I love, though, that Bill found, he was living in this neighborhood, and he created this perfect community that was just him and Frank for 20 years. I would love to think that some, someday people will find this community. And they're just going to go, all right, let's scan the place. And they're probably infected all over the place. It's fucking empty. Then they get to Bill and Frank's house. And then they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what happened here? It's like just a couple of, just a, a dead couple. And they have this whole place all to yeah. themselves. It's like, did these people manage to die of old age? Thankfully, they left the window open. Oh, yeah. I got to air it out a little bit. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, man, just oh, such a. I don't want to say it is heartbreaking, but again, you look at what the show is and what it did. Yeah, comparatively, it's the heart, heart fulfilling. It's one of the most optimistic episodes because somehow Bill figured it out and he got a happy ending in a way. And that's not the romanticized suicide or anything. I'm just saying in general no. of like what this post-apocalyptic world is and what I think people want out of life. Yeah, I mean, and it's also a thing of like, there were, I mean, again, not to romanticize suicide. We're not doing that. But, you know, they were old. They lived a full life mm-hmm. as well as they could in an apocalypse. Like, I mean, you know, Frank w- Frank was dying. Like, yeah. and he w- believed he had the right to, you know, end his life with dignity at, at that old age as he was suffering. So, you know, I mean, you know, we're not romanticizing the act of suicide, but it's a love story. So, in general, like their actions were romanticized just by virtue of the story that was being told. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Kathleen, Henry, and Sam arc, which is episodes four and five. I thought this was a really good arc. I think Kathleen kind of was a little annoying for me. I know she was supposed to be, but it's it's the actress's tone that got me. And I feel like that was on purpose mm-hmm. because I found myself at the end of the entire arc going, you sons of bitches, you got me. Because her voice, she sounds like a kindergarten teacher who somehow is leading does, this yeah. group of rebels. And you're just like, she is so fucking annoying. How did she get in this position to where she's leading these people? She's obviously got this vendetta against Henry and Sam that's going to lead to the death of her people, which it did, by the way. It did. And... It just, it worked in the end. Towards the first episode, you're like, get her off my screen. Where's Joel and Ellie at? (laughs) Where's Henry and Sam? Because I want to see Henry and Sam. But by the end of episode five, you're like, nope, I get it. I get where they're going for. 
It's all about the, the a lot of of the show is a slow burn, which is funny considering how so many of these episodes are not necessarily bottle episodes, but like it's so many individual. But see, they're bottle episodes the in the sense that they add on to the character arc of our two main leads. Yeah. And even though I have issues with Left Behind because I don't think it really adds a lot for Ellie, other than background on why she is the way she is in the show. Mm. But I think the rest of them add on to Joel's choice at the end. Henry adds on. Bill adds on. It all builds to him being like, I'm not going to fail again. Because he's also seen, Mm -hmm. he's seen success with Bill and Frank, and he's seen failure, you know, with someone you love with Henry and Sam. And he's like, I'm I'm not going out like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. What, What do you think of Kathleen, though? Because this was an addition. I think she's fine. I mean, I think she serves yeah. her purpose. She's not supposed to be likable. What did you think about Henry and Sam? They were they were great. Yes. They were fantastic. They everyone every I mean, we talked about the chemistry with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. We talk about the chemistry with, with Frank and Bell. Every like duo in this show had tremendous chemistry and and Sam and Henry are no different. Yeah, I love the changes they made from the way Henry and Sam's relationship is in the game compared to the show, because their dynamic is vastly different, I think. Mm -hmm. I think it works, considering also Sam is deaf in the show, and in the game he's not. In the game he's also older. Yeah. It's more of a, he has a crush on Ellie, and in the show he kind of looks at her like a bigger sister, so... I just love the changes they made to this here. The actors did a great job, especially the kid that played Sam. And how also the the talk Henry has with Joel, whereas Joel initially is very cold towards him, and then he sits down with him later in the underground facility, and he's basically like, hey man, I shouldn't have been so cold to you. You're a good guy. Yeah, like, and then just, Henry explains why, he's, why he thinks he's not. I think it also show, shows the not everything is black and white, mm-hmm. especially in this world. The show does a like like you say the show does a great job of portraying morality as a spectrum in a way that we don't frequently see. Um, and this show does such a good job of portraying that spectrum. Admittedly, in like extreme circumstances, because it is post-apocalyptic, but with the exception of you know David, for the most part, you one hundred percent get why these people are doing what they have to do to survive, and you can't really hold it against them, no matter how well. Not no matter, but in some cases, despite some very fucked up shit, you're like, no, but I get it. Like this is the apocalypse, like, or you're trying to protect your kid or you're trying to protect your brother. Like you're trying to protect the ones you love. So yeah, you're going to cross some lines, but it makes the audience think about what they would do in that same situation. I would say David and Kathleen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kathleen too. She head. just gets petty and it's like, I just want to kill this guy. Cause you get my brother killed. They're the two characters that are so far gone in the evil direction. Yeah. Whereas you can't really see where they're coming from. And David's, it's very obvious. Oh, yeah. David, it's clear he was always a monster. Yeah. With Kathleen's, it's more, she's not doing 
what she needs to do to keep her people safe. Mm. And she's so blinded by revenge. And then gets everybody killed. So it's with her, it's a little more complex. With David, he is definitely 100% the villain. So uh, other than that, though, everybody is, like you said, kind of just in this going to do a good thing, maybe for selfish reasons, but it helps others too. Maybe they are out to do the right thing, but they've done horrible things in the past. Look at Joel specifically. He killed innocent people, and now he's escorting this girl to the other side of the country that might save humanity. Mm -hmm. And along the way, he finds a new daughter, essentially, and she has a new father figure. So it's just a lot of shades of gray, like you said. And I feel like these two episodes really just amplify that. And that's coming off of episode three, too, which I think does a good job at humanizing people yeah. in this world. So it, the pacing so far of the show to this point, I thought was superb. I thought it was great. With episode six, we get into Joel and Ellie's relationship and Joel reuniting with Tommy. And this is directly after Sam's death and Henry's death, whereas Ellie's just broken up. Uh, after this and Joel is too I think I think this breaks Joel just as much as Ellie he just doesn't show it mm. and maybe that's just because he can't yeah physically anymore at that point but I, I love how their deaths have weighed on Joel and Ellie in this episode and we really see that through their conversations yeah everything they've been to not just I mean been through not just that we've seen but in their backstories, like all of their respective trauma, like it's all their whole lives have led them to this, this point where they have to decide, are we really going to be this family, you know, of two, or are we just going to walk away from each other? Yeah, definitely. And then we get to see reun uh, Joel reuniting with Tommy. Thought that was a great scene. Seeing Tommy in this community where he's actually finally found... Because earlier in the season, Joel told Ellie that Tommy is a, what do you say, a joiner? Mm -hmm. He joined the military, he always wanted to be the hero, and all the stuff he's done in the past. And it felt like finally Tommy has settled down from that. Yeah. It seems like he's finally... He finally found what he was looking for. Yes. And for one, I love how... Joel for just it's understandable why he feels slighted because he went halfway he went across the country actually to find his brother when his brother could have easily just been like I'm fine but the whole reason being I didn't want you here because of our past that's fucked up really when you think about it yeah. and part, part of me also kind of gets where Tommy's coming from to where he is settled down he's finally living life and he feels like his brother hasn't and if joel comes to jackson he might fuck up what tommy's created in a way because joel hasn't learned to move on yeah but even then there is a certain point where joel almost does kind of mess it up for them a little bit by asking tommy to be the one to take ellie like he i mean he's quote-unquote messing it up for arguably okay reasons well i mean there is a certain selfishness to it where joel is clearly just afraid to get hurt again but he is also like no like i'm physical like i i'm not what i used to be like i don't know that i can take her like you have to keep her safe uh and in in doing that like 
he does almost end up putting Tommy at risk and, and very clearly could have put Tommy in the situation that he ended up being in where he was, you know, bleeding out in a basement. Well, see, it's tough, though, because if Tommy's in that situation, he probably hears the guy coming. He also probably would have heard the guy coming. Yeah. Hell, they probably wouldn't have been in that situation because he doesn't have the relationship with Ellie, so he probably would have been like, they're not here, and then fucked off. So, I don't know. Don't know what would have happened if Tommy took Ellie instead, but I get where Joel's coming from in that situation, to whereas, yeah, there are selfish reasons, too, but he is 55. I like how they also said that multiple times throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. This is an old man. He's older than what he was in the video game, I believe. I think he's about 10 years older than he is in the game, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man, I, I just... I loved all the interactions in this episode. The interaction with Joel and Ellie in the bedroom was exactly as it was, I believe, from the video game. The only difference is he doesn't say the line, you are treading on some mighty thin ice. Yeah. Which did disappoint me because that's one of my favorite lines in the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's because Troy Baker, I think, played the character a little more. Like, Petra Pascal's doing this Texas accent. Mm. He's doing a great job. Oh, he's with fantastic. It. But Troy Baker leaned. He's like, I'm from it. Texas, Ellie. Yes. But everything about this episode is great. Mm. It's a damn good episode. Anything else to add about episode six, Ken? Uh, heartwarming towards the end, and then they just shatter it, you know. But you know it's coming. They finally so both accept each other, yeah. and Joel finally lets her in, basically. And I love how you also see a little bit of happiness in Joel. They hadn't seen it in a while. For once. Like, yeah, like, I think it started with the diarrhea joke. That was a pretty, was a pretty funny you, joke, though. You saw, like, little bits and pieces of Joel actually being happy. And then him stopping himself. But then after the two kind of accept each other at that moment, it's one of those things to where Joel finally lets his guard down. Mm-hmm. And I think it just sets up the endings of the show a lot better. Because I had a friend tell me, like, oh man, I don't really know how I cared for Joel being so talkative and all that in the finale. And I had to tell him, I was like, dude, for one, they've been setting up for episodes that he's opened up to her. And two, getting into episodes seven and eight, Left Behind and the David episode, it's understandable. Yeah. Because Joel knows how much trauma Ellie just went through and he's just trying to do anything he can to lift her spirits. So, talking about Left Behind, I did not really care for this episode. I think I mentioned this before, but it was just one of those things where I think the timing of Joel getting stabbed, and then we get 15 seconds of the aftermath, and then the rest of it is this flashback, which is great, but it just felt like I was looking at my watch figuratively and going, all right, can we get back to the present day instead of enjoying the story that they were telling? Mm-hmm. So that's where I think it faltered to me because it was a pretty good story, all things considered. There, I love how Ellie and Riley like their dynamic there. It felt like two best friends who were going completely different directions in life. Yeah, and they just didn't know how to admit it to each other. I I don't know. I did enjoy the episode, uh, if only because I played Left Behind so. So, like, fewer times that I played the actual story. So it was nice to get that refresher. But also, like, just going into it, 
like even seeing oh next time you know and whatever i was like oh, okay so this will be in ellie's head or like ellie's memory while she's taking care of joel like i guess because i was going into it and it you know it picked up right where i expected it to pick up i was like yeah this is gonna be i i knew what to expect so having more time to see how ellie in this version became who she became I really enjoyed, and I did like the way it mirrored, and, and uh, the, I think Neil Druckmann talked about this in the little, you know, HBO behind the episode, you know, after the credits, where it does directly shape, like, how she and Joel interact, you know, when Joel's like, no, go ahead and leave me, and at, at the end of her time with um, Riley, like, there is the thing of, like, no, we're not you know, we're not turning our backs on one another. And to see her mirror that with Joel, you know, when she very easily could have just left and gone back to Tommy's like he told her to. I just, I really enjoyed that personally. And I thought that Storm Reed and Bella Ramsey had, once again, great chemistry. <laughs> I think the main problem for me was just the lack of present day. Mm-hmm. And getting into a little bit of Clash of Stash, like what they possibly could have done. Maybe you do something to where it's, kind of pulling from the video game she's hunting for the deer which she does in the next episode but while she's doing that we're seeing the flashbacks but we keep also going back to the present day and her hunting this deer so her and joel can survive mm-hmm. but that way the audience knows oh joel's alive but he's kind of using what you just said there earlier he's on incredibly thin ice and then you can see the flashbacks there to where you understand where Ellie's coming from, that, oh shit, she wasn't in that mall alone, that this was basically her first love was Riley, and all that stuff, and I think that probably would have flowed better than just an entire flashback episode mm-hmm. with two bookends. I but mean... That's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's one of those different jokes for different folks. It worked for me, mm-hmm. but I I do see, like your point of why it didn't necessarily work for you. But I do love, I think the episode did a great job in showing Fedra and the Fireflies. Yeah, that's true. And setting up that the Fireflies may not be the best faction here. Yeah, Fedra, we saw to that point, the horrors that they've done, what Henry said that the Fedra outpost in Kansas City was doing. And we see with the Fireflies, they're having a kid look over explosives. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not the most, uh, I mean, they're not the most competent, we can go ahead and say that, but they're just not the, I don't know. I mean, it is one of those things where like, oh, we have to make do with what we got, but you're also having a kid, like you said, watch all these bombs. Like, not even leaving the fact that she's a child out of it, because, you know, the apocalypse has made people grow up fast. You're just leaving one person in charge of all these bombs. Yep. Like this is on their own. And not even just one person. One person that just joined like last week. <laughs> and not only that, they didn't sweep the entire mall. No, clearly they didn't. It was like, I'll go hang out with these bombs. Like what? So man, it's just, it, it really paints the fireflies in that light to make the audience go, aren't they? the best though is there a faction out there that i would trust here because we'll get to the finale but i think that's the main thing that keeps me from really being on the side of they should or joel should have let ellie die Mm -hmm. other than obvious because ellie's awesome and you know i love joel too (laughs) but we'll get there when we get there 
Uh, I want to talk about David's episode because, man, it's a good fucking. Got to see this actor's name here, Scott Shepard. You did a really good job. What a fucking creep, bro! Like he fucking nailed it, bro. (laughs) Let's hope you don't get typecast. Yeah, I hope he doesn't get typecast. But he fucking crushed it, dude. Yeah, him also being a cannibal. Yeah, that he's just that's just kind of the worst guy. If you told me he was also a racist. It's like, all right, what what isn't? Yeah, might as well. Let's say, what terrible thing isn't this man? And not only that, like, I did see some criticism and some YouTube reviews talking about everybody who is religious in Hollywood movies and TV shows ends up being the bad guy. I get where they're coming from. I do. But this, I don't think, is a case of it. Especially because it's very clear that David is using religion. Yeah. He's he literally said he wasn't really a believer. He says he believes in cordyceps. He doesn't believe in exactly in the, it, the Bible. It, it kind of felt like that was his god. Like he was so sick in the head. Yeah, he says that towards the end. And also, he was like this in the game. So mm-hmm. I don't want to hear any of this. I don't think he it. was religious. Or I'm saying that in air quotes there, because again, I think it was a cover story. He traded out teaching for being a preacher. Yeah. So he can continue being a predator. With the game, like, you do get a longer moment. Well, I wouldn't see. Ellie spends more time with him in the game, but we spend more time with him in the show where we do get to see that a little bit more interiority on his part, like, where he's back in uh, Silver Lake or wherever, which that's how you can kind of see, like, okay, you see where he and Ellie start to bond when they're just sitting by the fire having that conversation. And yeah, they do get that moment of conversation in the game, but remember that big, intense bonding moment in the game is them fighting clickers together, you know? So you don't really get... And there's no affected yeah, in this episode. Uh, and you don't... So you don't really get in the game as much of, like, Ellie asking, you know, uh, David his backstory and, and all that stuff. So he could very well be a preacher in the game, but they just never got around to you know expressing that but you know I, I i don't i don't know i think it worked for this episode yeah but either way i thought this was a great episode i think it also show, showed joel and just how vindictive and ruthless he could be oh man he does the, he does the kneecap scene and i'm like yeah fucking oh, yeah he's like oh no I, I, he told the truth he's like i'm not telling you everything it's like oh that's fine, I believe him. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yeah, bro. I gotta say, though, all the people who Joel kills and they're begging for their life, the actors do a great job. Oh, they're, they they seem like they were actually afraid of Pedro Pascal. As they should be. They should fear I mean, him. We've seen what happens when Pedro Pascal... If he's gotta protect a kid, man, you better fucking watch your ass. <laughs> gotta say, though, even though all these actors did a great job begging for their life in those scenes, every time at the end of it, I went, damn, they got me. But also, no, fuck those guys. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> it's like, hold on here. You're not going to make me feel bad for him. Joel's completely in the right for killing all these people. He's a, the guy from the Kathleen episode where he's like, I have a mom. I was like, you just tried to kill him two seconds yeah, ago. Yeah, it's like, and he also had a mom. Okay, you have consequences. <laughs> There's consequences of these things. And the same thing there. Like, they're going out to kill this guy. They don't know the situation. They're just out for fucking bloodless revenge there. So, yeah, man. I just wanted to throw that shout out there because the actors did a great job. Even in the smaller roles. Uh, What did you think about 
we're getting into the finale here because this starts with uh, Ashley Johnson. Oh my God, she fucking cra- wait. Side note, not to take away from Ashley Johnson, we didn't talk about uh, really talk about uh, Troy Baker in. in That's the what I was going to get to. I was like, Ashley Johnson plays Ellie's mother in the show. What do you think about all the actors who reprised a role for? Or played a role in the show. Here. Yeah, they all they all crush it. It's like you know they're damn good actors if you play the game. And I mean, Troy Baker's in everything under the sun, so you know that man can fucking act. Uh, but it was nice to, and also we know Ashley uh, Ashley Johnson can act. But it was nice, at least in this. It was it was nice for the beginning of the the finale for her to really get a spotlight to shine in because I do feel like. For so much of, at least with part one of The Last of Us, like, yes, you talk about Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, but then it's also still, like, it's still Troy Baker, you know? Like, he's just the guy who's in everything, like, everyone talks about his performance. And then, yes, people talk about her performance in Last of Us Part Two, but, and I say this as someone who even has avoided a lot of the spoilers, like, I feel like so much of the discourse around that game was surrounded by people complaining about the game, that they don't do enough talking about how good of an actor Ashley Johnson is. So it was nice for her to get to showcase her talent on a scale that, I mean, is arguably larger. Like, so many people who haven't played the games watch this, and they're like, oh, damn, we get to see, you know, this, this who they think probably is just some rando playing Ellie's mom, like, really fucking going for it, when, in a way, you're it's it's Ellie's symbolic mother. Like it's the woman who first brought her to life in the game. And now in the show, she's, you know, textually bringing the character to life. I think it was a, a nice, a nice thing. And also, uh, Troy Baker was great as buddy boy. <laughs> Seemed to have fun getting, uh, his neck chopped in and whatnot. And I watched a, it wasn't really an interview. Um, I mentioned the before kind of funny, uh, on YouTube. they, also, we're doing a, a week by week breakdown of the show, and they're friends with Troy Baker, so he came on for the for that episode and talked about his experience, and it seemed like he had a fantastic time and was like adding little, you know, quieter, subtle moments with the character that helped shape his narrative in a way um, that I found very engaging. After you know, hearing about them and then thinking back on some of the ways where it's like, oh no, at first he's like, I'm not going to eat this because I'm one of the only people who knows it's human. And then he actually tries his like shit that's actually good. Like there's little things like that. Uh, I think they both brought a lot to their respective performances, even if it's not like, you know, they were the stars of the story all over again. Yeah. I think Troy Baker in the post episode for episode eight said that he was just wanting to play a clicker. Yeah. Or something. He thought that's what he'd be doing. So he got to do more than what he thought. Uh, so, yeah, man, I thought that was good. I thought everybody did a really good job uh, who came back to play a different role. And for the actress who played Marlene, <laughs> got the same role. And be like, all right, <laughs> this is going to be great. I just got to do the same thing, but in live action. And she crushed it in live action, too. Yeah. I thought she crushed it in both iterations here. But yeah, man, I love that Ashley Johnson played Ellie's mother. It kind of felt appropriate there. Mm-hmm. There, it felt like, I don't know. It was a weird passing of the torch, I think. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. It was like, like this is your problem now. <laughs> you have to deal with all these people arguing. I'm done with this. Uh, I gotta say, though, getting back to the video game actors, and you were talking about the discourse around The Last of Us 2, 
I think one thing that I remember getting pissed off at mm-hmm. was, and this is just a thing of the internet. This isn't exclusive to The Last of Us. It happens in Star Wars. happens with DC. It happens everywhere. There's toxic people. There's weirdos. There's people who are just straight up assholes everywhere. It sucks, but it is what it is. I hated how whenever The Last of Us 2 came out, for some reason, the actress who played Abby got so much hate. And I'd say for some reason. I know what that reason Laura is. Laura Bailey, the goat. Laura Bailey plays somebody in the finale, plays a nurse. I'm glad oh, yeah, that she, she at least got to play somebody, too. I love also how uh, just this show treats the voice actors. Mm-hmm. Because with The Last of Us 2, I did not like the story. I'm telling you, I, I don't care for the direction they took it. I don't like the themes of, like, everybody is you know, got their own perspective and revenge and all that stuff. It's just, I, I don't care for it. I think it's pretty... Just it's not as unique or interesting as part one to me. That being said, it's fucking stupid how people went online and started shitting on the voice actors. So to see all these voice actors come in to the TV show and feel like that they were credited for their work, which the only thing I have to criticize for the show is Bruce Straley wasn't credited, but that's about it. No. Because everybody else, it felt like they paid respect to the voice actors. They paid respect to the source material. They gave them, the voice actors, something to do that was important in some kind of way. Whether it was Troy Baker playing the right-hand man to David. Whether it was Ashley Johnson playing Ellie's mother. Whether it was the actress who played Marlene. I'm sorry I keep forgetting her name off the top of my head. (laughs) But replaying Marlene again in live action, she did a really good job. And with uh, Jeffrey Pierce playing uh forgot his name perry the right hand man to kathleen so and also laura bailey getting a cameo as a nurse i'm pretty sure we'll probably see laura bailey again in season two i'd be shocked if we didn't yeah because i don't think you see her face in that scene so i could see them easily somehow bringing laura bailey in for another cameo so I just, I love how they treated that, especially after all these stupid toxicity stuff after The Last of Us 2. It was just a really nice moment to me because it really felt like they went into this going, this video game's beloved. We need to pay respect to those who made it beloved. And they do that. I mean, how how much of that do you think is because Neil Druckmann's involved? I think a lot of it is. I have issues with Neil Druckmann, but it's more so just, it's... Naughty Dog in general, mm-hmm. and it's also just the direction of Last of Us 2, but I do really respect that he went into this going, yeah, we're going to do video game justice. I'm not going to let this be Hollywoodized and really just ravaged into some kind of just, you know what I mean by that, just like this action blockbuster that doesn't have the emotional weight, and doesn't feel like it has the source material yeah. in mind when it's writing it. This felt like Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin were very conscious of every choice they made. And it shows. Like, they put the they put the work in. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the finale. Goated. Because this is probably, I think it was the shortest episode. Yeah, which was surprising. Because I was like, mm-hmm. how are they going to fit all this and stick the landing? And boy, <laughs> did they. See, I went from, I don't think they have... I think they got too much to do to wrap this all up into one season to after episode eight, I was like, shit, they don't have enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
content left. Oh, I don't know how they're going to fill up an entire hour. I mean, they hit the fucking sweet spot. still feeling, I, I said what I said there, but I still feel like this was rushed. I loved it, but I feel like we needed 20 minutes, or at least 10 more minutes, of Joel and Ellie from the very deep conversations they had about Joel attempting to kill himself and it didn't work, and Ellie being like, I'm glad it didn't work. And then Ellie uh, talking with Joel with the draft scene and all that stuff to the fireflies. Mm -hmm. I think we needed a buffer. Maybe that could have been like an infected scene to give the audience one last moment there. Because they were doing a lot of good video game stuff in the finale with the ladder and all that. Just have one more bloater. (laughs) Yeah, like one more bloater. Bloater looked fantastic, by the way. We didn't talk about that. Bloater looks... Oh yeah, all the infected in, in that scene in episode five uh, looks. That was, was a big boy. That was a that was a big that was a big mamma jamma right there. But yeah, man, just I, I felt like it needed a buffer between those deep sections and then the firefly stuff because it felt like it was just rushed by the end. Mm-hmm. That's my only complaint about the finale because I loved everything else about it. I I don't I didn't have any complaints. I mean, my complaint was just like, uh, I want more. And then I remember, oh, wait, there's a whole other game I haven't played. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I loved the finale. I loved the way they shot uh, the scene of Joel doing all the shooting um, when he's just tearing through the the hospital and, you know, the dramatic music's mm-hmm. playing. And it's, I mean, it is, I mean, it's, I don't want to say badass because it's not painted to be cool, but it is like it shows his devotion and dedication in a way that is just really engaging. It feels like it's weighted. Yes. Yes. And that's not I don't think it's weighted in a sense that he's completely evil or this is like the badass moment in an action movie where the hero saves the girl. Yeah, it's not senseless violence, which while another clicker fight would have been cool. Like as a buffer, like that would feel a bit just like, okay, well now we just have to put this in. But I feel like it would give a little bit of breathing room between the two big parts of the episode. Just hang up with a giraffe. But could have done that. When it came to the ending, I think that just perfectly describes it to where that action moment, that action scene just felt weighted. Not necessarily in one direction or the other. It was just like, okay, we're going to let the audience decide whether or not you think Joel is doing the right thing or Mm -hmm. the wrong thing. And we're going to have some music kind of accompanying it that just felt just, I don't know, man. It kind of felt a little sinister, but not really. Mm -hmm. It was a weird just tone to the entire thing that I dug. It. There was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not sinister because. Like it and well, it felt like it was combining tones. The yeah, music itself, and it and was, was like, like, "Fuck, man, this is good." Like you said, it's weighted. It's not treating Joel's actions like it's not glorifying them. It's not judging it, but either. it's not it's judging just, it. It's it's yeah. not judging it, but it's telling you like people are dying here. You judge whether or not it was just or not. Yeah, it leaves it up to the audience. Yeah. So. First off, Marlene tells Joel that they think they could figure out a cure for it all. The doctor can, uh, I forgot what she said exactly, but they would have to take something out of her brain so they can manufacture the cure. 
and Joel doesn't want to do it. It basically, like, the entire time he's walking down those steps, it's like he's thinking about his daughter, right? He's thinking about, I couldn't do anything to save you. I can now. And he just goes on this freaking rampage, man. And, ah, it's just, I, I, I don't, how do you feel about it? I like the rampage. How do you feel about the rampage? How do you feel about Trolls of the City? I mean, it's one of my favorite moments in the show. Like, cause I get it. You know? Like, yeah, he and he was making sure they were staying down. Like, it's like, yeah, shit. Like, they're just gonna keep coming after you. Like, you gotta protect your your your, your baby girl. You know? So, I, I... It's one of those things where I don't condone or condemn. We didn't mention that in the David section, but that was one of my favorite moments in that episode, too, oh, yeah. where... After Ellie kills David and she Bella Ramsey crushes that scene where she came and get words out. She just hugs Joel and Joel understanding like something horrible just happened there and she had to kill that person, whoever was inside. And he just goes like, it's all right, baby girl. It's like the culmination of she's my daughter now. Mm. He's her father kind of thing. So I just want to mention that before we talk about the finale here. I understand that Joel did everything selfishly. That he does not care about the human race. He's not bringing into account whether or not this cure could work, whether it couldn't work. But as the audience member, I still go, I think Joel wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, I'm not going to say that if you disagree that you're wrong. Again, that's the best part of the ending to me, is you people giving their perspective on it. But I think Joel was right in the end. Mainly because also the Fireflies themselves. I do not trust the Fireflies. The Fireflies, to me, were on par, if not worse than Fedra, depending on where Fedra was located. I think I I think it's more that uh, Fireflies are just kind of incompetent. <laughs> like they just don't <laughs> seem very good at rebellion. Like they don't seem actively malicious like Fedra does Is a lot worse? of the times. It argue it depends on your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think they are maybe philosophically I think they're more in the right to a certain extent. I think yes. they're just really bad at it and therefore they end up making things worse. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, is it worse that they're either incompetent or evil? Which one? Yeah, that's the question. But uh yeah, it's just to me I think about okay, if the Fireflies get a cure working, for one, I don't think they would. You also got to think this is 2003. Well, by this the is, time this, this is, this is 2023. Well, yeah, but 2003 is when the world went to shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So not a much, not much development after, you know. Yeah. So we're working with 2003 technology, most likely. And we saw throughout the whole show, things that weren't in the game to where, Experts talked about if this were to happen, humanity doesn't have a shot. Now, granted, what is also in the show that wasn't in the game is showing how Ellie's immune, and that is her mother got bit as she, like right before she gave birth. So maybe that would have been something they nobody would have thought of mm-hmm. in this kind of instance. But I think the show was setting it up to give you that kernel of doubt that a cure could have worked in the first place and everything you said about the fireflies there's just something about them that's just either off because they're secretly just just as bad as Fedra or like you said incompetent I think it's one of the two 
there because they don't come across as we are the freedom fighters who are the good guys and we're doing everything. We're going to fix the whole country and we're going to fix the whole world after this. Because then I go, okay, let's say the get a cure working. How is that going to get distributed? Yeah. They clearly don't have the, the faculties. Yeah. Are you guys going to pick and choose who you know, can get cured? Because we saw this in episode five, how the rebels were hanging Fedra people and how just cruel they were to everybody else. Now, were those the best people? No, we heard that from Henry. But there's just something about seeing the rebels do it too, and you're like, that doesn't yeah. feel Which, right. Which, those rebels, I don't think were the Fireflies. Like, they seemed like... No, they weren't. Thing. But I think it was just to kind of give a little bit of background on, like, maybe this is what Fireflies would have been if they actually took over. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And even then, like, with, like you're saying, like, how would the Fireflies have distributed? Like, what, were they going to team up with Fedra and disperse it? Like, how was that realistically going to work? I don't, I don't think they would have, just because of, like, they hate the the Fedra. They called them fascists and everything. So, I don't think you're going to team up with them just because a cure happened. They'd probably just, and to me, it came across as, if this worked, the Fireflies would have became the new dictators instead of Vedra. Mm. So, I, and again, just my opinion on it. And I know Joel went through all this selfishly. He didn't think about it. Oh, this. yeah, no. He doesn't care about it. He does not care if humanity is saved because of this decision. He only cares about saving Ellie because he's not losing another daughter. So, I'm looking at this as a looking at the whole picture here. And I can't say from Joel's perspective if I would have done the same thing. I don't have a kid, so I feel like that perspective. Tell you what, is... someone tries to cut my cat's brain out. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, better, you better <laughs> fucking said, I'll do it for buckle pet. the fuck up, fireflies. <laughs> Tristan said, "I'll do it for my cat." Like, I'll fucking you try and you try and fucking take Spike away from me. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the ground. I know everything we said, too, about the infected. Every time somebody came across an infected, there was consequences to it. But I do think also the lack of infected kind of leads to a problem when it comes to this decision. Because the whole point of the cure is, oh man, we can finally get everything back to the way things used to be. You can still do that now. Mm -hmm. Just go out to the cold. Yeah, just hang out. And rebuild. snow, you know? Let them die out on their own because they'll eventually die out. You would think, unless they keep like turning deer or something. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a fungus. Like it'll it'll survive, but maybe the actual clickers themselves. You know. Yeah, the things that'll kill you will die out. Yeah, but uh, that's the one complaint I would have about that because although it's cool to see like oh you can survive this you can avoid the infected. It leads to the big overall problem not feeling as imperative, you know, because there's solutions to it that aren't, hey, we got to have a cure. So either way, man, the finale, the ending, it was all just so weighted. It was impactful. I loved it, especially the final scene with Joel and Ellie where you can just tell the relationship has changed. Ellie knows something's up. She just doesn't either doesn't want to say it because she knows it'll change things or she doesn't know how and Joel just continues to lie to her about it. It's just it's an unwinnable situation. 
for everybody involved. No. And I understand where they're both coming from here. It's... I mean, it hits just as hard as it does in the game, where you know that Ellie doesn't believe him, but she's making herself believe him because, I mean, of the bond. They literally just solidified at the beginning of the They love each other. Yeah, they love each other. And she some sometimes people lie to the people they love because they feel they have to protect them. Not only that, Ellie's 14. Yeah. Maybe there is 15 part of me point. that understands, like, she could want to give her own life for the sake of humanity, but she's a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. And I would imagine your guardian being like, no, fuck that shit. We are getting you out of here. And, and also lie to their kids all the time. It doesn't mean they're evil. Noted, that she didn't said, get to consent. A, yeah. And either instance, either for Marlene's thing of sacrificing herself or to go with Joel. She didn't she was not given a choice. And that's one of the big like cruxes of this entire finale here. I know this is a huge, huge situation, but you look at things in real life to where parents will lie to their kids and it's understandable. You can't tell your kids everything. That's really weird. Also kids aren't gonna understand everything. Mm-hmm. Or they won't be able to fully understand exactly why you're doing what you're doing until they get enough experience in their life to kind of look back and be like, oh, I get why my parents did that, or no, I'm going to do things differently. What they did was wrong. So I get where Joel's coming from with the lie, but it still doesn't sit right. You know, it's just it's so well done in that sense to where I get where Joel's coming from, but it still doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. And it's because of the choice thing. You're You're completely right. Yeah, she had no say in the matter, regardless of whether or not she would have actually chosen, yeah, sacrifice me or save me. Like, she did not get to say. Yeah, anything else to add about the finale? I mean, it was a banger. That's, that's, that's about all I got. What a banger was just season, overall. You got any theories about season two, as somebody who hasn't played I think it's going to make a lot of people angry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only real prediction I've got how long do you think Petro Pascal makes it I wouldn't be shocked if they take his ass out first episode really as a as a big old style HBO twist like maybe it ends right after he gets his skull bashed in I think we get a whole season of Petro I, Pascal I don't know about he's that. done in, at the end of the finale I'm, I'm thinking either he, either he gets taken out at the beginning or uh, I mean, at the end of the first episode or the beginning of the second episode. Mm. That that'll be my. So we're guess. going in vastly different directions with this. I mean, we'll see how it how it shakes yeah. out. We'll see in two and a half years, probably. But I see the whole reason I think it's going to be a whole season is for a video game, sure. And that was even divisive for a video game. Towards yeah, everybody thought you'd be playing as Ellie, anyways. I think in the sequel. But in the nature of taking Joel out so early, I think really rubbed people the wrong way. Again, for me, it's just the direction of the entire story and what the story went through that I didn't care for. It's not necessarily that one act. You know, it's not like you wanted to see that. (laughs) But besides the point, I think in the show, it's different because Petro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are kind of the show. Yeah. Like... And I think it's not a you take one out, the other one can carry it right now kind of situation. I think is if one of them bows out of this, 
I don't think the show lasts or keeps the huge rating that it has. I think you need another full season of these two, and then you could do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I am curious to see how they pace the second season, because I do think I remember seeing uh, Neil Druckmann and Craig Madden saying like they weren't opposed to stretching out the game the story of season two over a couple of, uh, I mean, it's a long ass game. Yeah. The story of the se- the game sequel over a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, man. It's going to be interesting there because this could end up really helping the story of the last of us two with divisiveness. This could really just cement in a lot of people's minds that nah, this was a bad story or change people's minds, or maybe the show does it better Maybe they keep Joel around longer. Who fucking knows, man? This is... But it's going to be very important for the success of this show. This might be the most... I'm going to put this burden on this this show here. This is going to be the most important season of a television show. Maybe ever. I mean, I don't know if I'd... I don't know if I'd go that far, but I also can't think of any examples off the top of my head to argue with, so... Look at the success the show had. Yeah, that's true. This is easily the best... I don't want to say in terms of quality. I think in terms of quality, it's the best since Game of Thrones. But the highest rated show since Game of Thrones. They do have a lot riding on the on nailing the second season. Yeah. Whereas if you fuck this up, if you alienate the audience here and you take Joel out early enough and you don't land it, like if you do it, you get it. Hit a fucking home run. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be very interesting to see how Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin handle this. Mm. Because we know Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, regardless of what they do, they're both just going to crush it. Anything else about the finale before we move on? No, good show. Everyone should watch it. Definitely agree on that. So, let's talk about our favorite and least favorite moments and our final thoughts. So share your favorite and least favorite moment from this season. Favorite is either the last dinner with Bill and Frank or Joel's mowing dudes down in the hospital. I think those are my two favorites. Oh, or the end when they just replicate the... The duality of those two yeah. scenes. I'm a, I'm a complicated man. You know, like we said, it's all on a spectrum. Um... Least favorite. Yeah, this is hard. I don't know that I have a, a a legit least favorite. I mean, maybe Anatorv's test was my least favorite part of the show, but even then I didn't dislike her. I just didn't like her as much as I liked everything else. So maybe this, this scene in the beginning where she's getting interrogated? I don't know. It's hard. Like, I don't want to single her out because she did a, a solid job. It's just not my favorite way the character was portrayed. Yeah, I don't know. The the the, the least favorite, that's hard for me. I would say my least favorite would be now, in terms of story and everything completely makes sense, Ellie's a 14-year-old girl. Kids are kind of stupid. Yes. Alright. So my least favorite moment is probably Ellie not telling anybody that Sam got bit and proceeding to try to cure him by rubbing her blood onto his wound. Because, again, and I don't blame that as part of like, oh, this was terrible in terms of the story, but the whole time you go, that's not going to fucking work. Mm -hmm. 
that's just going to lead to, oh, that's bad. That's not going to help anybody. What are you doing? It's so stupid. But I would say that's probably my least favorite. In terms of my favorite, it would be either the ending with the Joel shootout or maybe the, you know what, you know what it is? It's the intro. Oh, the intro is fucking good. Because it just endears the audience to this character. And people who hadn't played the games, I think they go, okay, so we're going to be following uh, Joel and his daughter. Those are going to be the main characters. Nope. Like, you fucking <laughs> thought. Know. You fucking thought. And then uh, I would, I know we're only doing, like, one favorite moment, so I'm going to cheat and use three. The third would be Joel shooting Marlene. Mm, that's a good moment. Just the the just coldness, I think, is what goes like, oh fuck, Joel does not care, or he's like, you just come after her. So, I would say those are my favorite moments. Well, you're a man of taste. What can we say? Let's get out of here, man. Let's talk about what we're working on and where can people find us. Tristan, what you working on? Where can people find you? As usual, I am cranking out articles over at Screen Rant. So please go give those a, a read because I get paid per view. Uh, I'm also on all the socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Bag Issue Bins. Next week, Drew and I are going to be heading back to the DC Universe. And more specifically, we're talking about a Superman animated movie called Superman vs. the Elite. We'll see you next week. Wait. Taylor, are you telling me this is the end of the episode? This is the end of the episode. Okay.